Good morning and welcome once again to In Focus. I'm John Sims and this morning we welcome back one of our longtime partners in the community, Lana Peacock, Executive Director of the East Texas Crisis Center. Good morning, Lana. Great to have you with us. Good morning, John. Uh, it's been a good while and we have a lot of catching up to do, so we'll do that starting in just a moment. Right after I remind you not to forget that InFocus is available online. Just go to ktbb.com slash InFocus, and it's uploaded to our website by the day after the show airs. Lana, I have long since lost track of how many times I've visited with you or some other representative of your agency, uh, going back to six or seven radio stations ago, but uh, in more recent years, certainly right here. And uh, let's just go ahead and... We have a lot to talk about today, COVID-19 protocols, how you survived the uh, February storm, which got a lot of notice. But first, just the basics, and a little bit about the mission and the history of the East Texas Crisis Center. Well, our mission is always to serve victims of family violence and sexual assault. So we have counseling, advocacy, in-house services, also emergency shelter, uh, very specific to the needs of um, people who have been involved in a in a violent relationship or abusive relationship, and it goes back to actually about 1978 was when it first got started under another name. And uh, your current location and your location now for the last 18 years, which is kind of hard to believe, 2401 Huey Drive. That's correct. Uh, that's right. It used to be Old Noonday Road. A lot of people still, including me, every now and then still think of it that way. But it's in the southwest side of town and. Uh, I know you moved there in 2003, and it's just mm -hmm. worked wonders as far as you're just being able to give out the services that you give. Uh, your mission, as you just mentioned, serving victims of family violence and sexual assault. Let's move right into your vital services, and there are a number of those, and that's another thing that's certainly expanded over the years. Yes. Well, first of all, we have our hotline and where people can call any time, night or day, and start and begin the process of getting information that they need and that's the whole key to our services is that sometimes uh, a victim may not be ready to leave the home but they desperately need information to know what their options might be mm -hmm. so they can get this information by phone or they can come in and meet with an advocate and the first thing we do is just do risk assessment and safety planning uh, with that woman or it can be or it could be a man or mm -hmm. it could be an elderly couple that are needing information and so that they know what uh, options that they have and that's vital we do the safety planning every time we meet with that client so the first time but every time they walk in the door and sit down with their advocate we're going through the safety plan and their risk assessment and um, working with them to continue to add to how they're protecting themselves and oftentimes how they're protecting their children. Okay. And your hotline, you actually have two hotline numbers. One is local and there's also a 1-800 number. Did you want to give those out real quick? Yes. Our uh, uh, local number is 903-595-5591. And then our, uh, from anywhere in the state, we have the 800 number. It's 800 333 0358. Uh, the hotline you tell me exploded during the thick of the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, yes. Tell us why that was and uh, how you were able to marshal your forces and address that at least as well as could be expected. Yes. Well, when, when the shutdowns began, 
uh, we were we quit seeing uh, clients face to face. So we set it up where we could uh, meet with them. They could have sessions uh, via Zoom. They could also have phone counseling. Um, and we had to rely on this uh, during that period of time that people just could not come in face to face. And uh, this worked pretty well for the adults, but it did not work well for the children that we serve. Mm. Uh, we provide a lot of counseling for the children, and um, and it didn't work well for them. As soon as we were able, we uh, transferred, we began to do some face-to-face with children out, and we have a therapy garden, a children's uh-huh. therapy garden, and they were able to move it outside. And um, and so that, that really helped a lot of the children that, that our uh, counselors were working with. Okay. Uh, okay, so we've given out the hotline numbers. Your Tyler office hours are Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5.30. People can call. They can talk to you on the phone. They can visit online. Mm-hmm. They can make an appointment, or they can just walk in. Office phone, 903-509-2526. You've had that number, I think, since about 1978, <laughs> so should be pretty familiar to a lot of people. Your website is etcc.org, obviously short for East Texas Crisis Center, etcc.org. Lots of information on there and the requisite social media available as well. I wanted to talk briefly. You also serve outreach counties and what Henderson, Van Sant, Wood and Rains, along with Smith counties are the folks who can access your services. Yes, we have offices in Athens, uh, Canton and Quitman right. uh, where they can get the full uh, advocacy services. Uh, but our only shelter is here in Tyler in Smith County. Mm-hmm. Talking to Lana Peacock, Executive Director of the East Texas Crisis Center this morning on In Focus. I'm John Sims. Uh, we were talking about your vital services and we were uh, basically talking about the hotline. There are other things, see- seeking safety options, meeting with an advocate for risk assessment. I know we covered some of that. Uh, mm-hmm. What else do we want to talk about with regard to those vital services that we didn't cover while we were basically talking about the hotline? Well, we also have licensed professional counselors on staff that provide actual therapeutic counseling uh, for clients that might uh, want to go in that direction. Also, we do a lot of the the therapy counseling with the family, Mm -hmm. uh, with mom and the children. Uh, And one of the the things that the counselors look for is um, if there's been violence in the home or a lot of abuse in the home, a lot of dysfunction, that sometimes uh, there's one of the children has taken on a parenting role and maybe maybe mom has let go of the reins of that because she's had so much to deal with herself. Mm -hmm. So the counselor's watching for that to help mom uh, retake the reins of being the parent and uh, how she's working with the children. It's very effective. And the mothers that we work with really love that counseling that includes their children. And the counselors will also work with the children individually if um, it appears that that's needed. Okay. Um, the hotline seeking safety options, meeting with an advocate for risk assessment. I'm just looking over the laundry mm-hmm. list of items that uh, I wanted to make sure we've want to make sure we've covered, and I think we've probably hit all of those. Maybe go into a little bit more detail on some of those later on, if we have some time. One of the things that I guess kind of jumps out at me is knowledge of your emergency shelter access. People need to know that that's available to them and what the protocols are for use of the emergency shelter. Mm-hmm. I guess. Well, our agency we do our own screening. Uh, we may get a referral from other agencies in town, but we have to initiate the, the, the screening for someone to come into our shelter. Um, and, and that's for everyone that's, that's seeking shelter. Sometimes we make a referral to um, 
maybe if they're not a victim of violence or abuse, then we will refer them to other shelters such as Salvation Army uh-huh. if they're just needing housing. So uh, we screen very carefully because we want to make sure that, you know, we only have 11 bedrooms available right now so we want to make sure that we're making best use of our facilities and we want to get to that in just a moment um but right now it's important to mention it's all at no cost correct absolutely okay the emergency shelter just one of the uh, uh, keystones i guess you could Mm -hmm. say of your operation and on february 15th bam we all got hit with snowmageddon i mean i don't know how many different names it's gone by it was just a horrible horrible situation weather-wise and in what actually was a well-publicized situation for the crisis center you uh were really thrown against the ropes tell us a little bit about some of the issues that you had to face just kind of review those for us because of the big winter freeze Mm -hmm. and specifically how it affected your emergency shelter and how you've been able to come back from that well on that Monday when everything began to freeze and you know everyone was being warned across East Texas not to travel it was icy roads everything was very dangerous so staff were at home but we had just the month before put in uh, a camera uh, system a security system not only outside of our buildings but inside our buildings and two of our staff had it hooked up where they could watch everything on at our facility they could watch from home on their computers well one of them happened to to get go on online and was watching and they heard something called the other staff person said go into this building look at that and and what do you hear and they and they both agreed they were hearing running water Mm. so we had pipes that had burst and in that particular building we had four or five inches of water already that's how we were alerted brand new security system brand new security system and one month later that's how we knew that we had uh, severe damage so it was all hands on deck that day uh getting in get get, getting to the facility and and uh, going in and we had the um uh Rudd Plumbing showed up that they serve us and they were right there with us that day. Mm. It was on a Saturday morning going into the building. And then we had, they called a restoration team to come in behind them. So those two teams were there from day one, worked with us all weekend and for the following week as we were trying to get the, the building just dry and and it destroyed everything everything in its path the ceilings came down the pipes burst in our shelter alone we had a hundred and five uh uh leaks or cracks in the pipes so it took them weeks uh the plumbing team up in the attics uh, trying to get all that fixed Lana peacock executive director of the east texas crisis center our guest this morning on in focus i'm john sims what did you do how did you take care of the people who needed emergency shelter during this critical time well we continued to run our hotline so we could talk to people that were calling in but we were having to make referrals to uh to the longview uh crisis center Uh to their shelter or to salvation army or uh you know just wherever uh, we would ask him do you do you to start thinking outside the box a little bit while we had him on the phone do you have a family member or a friend that you could stay with so Uh that where you would be safe and so it was just having that conversation with people as they were calling in Uh um which was vitally important i mean we're the first time in in 
40 years that, the, yeah. that our shelter had been closed. Mm -hmm. So getting on to the good news, you finally <laughs> reopened in uh, the middle of June, I understand, to the point where 11 of your 15 bedrooms were and still, as we do this show, remain yeah. available. Uh, how are things going since mid-June? And then something else, I think you kind of made it, took another step around a month after that to uh, make things even better. Let's kind of mm -hmm. walk through that, how you got back uh, in business as far as the emergency shelter and uh, where yeah. you are with that now. Yeah. Well, to open the, the shelter, it's not just the bedroom area. We had to be able to open the kitchen. We had to be able to open our children's program area because part of our shelter responsibilities are we have to provide child care so we had to have all of those uh, areas of the building completely functional in order for us to open up again so that that just took a while so there we were uh, end of june uh, early july that we were able to open up and start um, bringing families in again all right so as of this uh, moment as we mm -hmm. speak 11 of your 15 bedrooms are functional still working on the other four but at least you've got those 11 up and yes. going and uh, i guess everything is pretty much running as smoothly as could be expected now under the circumstances and i know that running a crisis center is not about uh, things ever running entirely smoothly given mm -hmm. the issues that these folks are going through but uh, sounds like you've uh, at least gotten over the hump on it and mm -hmm. things are looking much better than they were in february yes absolutely and uh the our we our program for children is that we run a full day summer camp for children who uh -huh. live in our emergency shelter well we barely got them in to have any kind of summer camp going on but when the children became began coming in in july that gave us at least a month a month and a half six weeks that we could provide those services to our kids and all of our programs all of our activities uh, during summer camp are educational but uh -huh. it, but it has to be um fun it has to we tell the teachers we say no no workbooks no school no textbooks right. they, they devise games and activities for and especially with an emphasis on math and reading uh, to help the kids really get geared up for the start of school so uh, we, we were able to get that part in for a good six weeks and uh, that's a huge that has been a huge blessing for us and for the children mm -hmm. and of course school's back in now and we'll get to that in a moment uh, to whatever extent it will affect the operations of the crisis center or in a few moments i guess i should say but anyway during covid 2020 all residential and non-residential services continued by phone and zoom sessions tell yes. us a little bit about how you were able to get through those early days of the pandemic we got through it because we have staff that are just very flexible i mean they just moved quickly uh to what they were able to do and um and and made it work and i'm so proud of the the professionalism of our staff that they were able to handle things so well um, for the staff that worked down in the shelter they weren't having their normal responsibilities so they helped throughout the facility whatever we needed whether it was heavy lifting or moving things or uh, especially we had a lot of damage to um, a lot of, of um, uh, written material was damaged I mean we had <laughs> It wasn't just the emergency shelter all. Uh, no, yeah, no. Our, our admin building got hit really hard. So we had a lot of uh, going through paperwork, uh, disposing of a lot of paperwork. It was like a lot of extra work. And uh, so the staff that usually work in the shelter and the children's program were just Johnny on the spot. Wherever we need them, they would go. And whatever we needed done, um, oh, okay. we were doing. 
Uh, Tyler schools shut down due to COVID. Of course, schools back in session now. And uh, again, as we speak, uh, just about every school district in the area is either uh, exclusively or primarily face-to-face learning. And uh, that's something that I know that all the school districts understand is going to have to continue to be monitored. But during the time that our Tyler schools were closed, our shelter facilities for kids, especially that computer lab, ensured that all school-aged children had access to computers. Mm -hmm. So it may be something that people don't necessarily think about right at the get-go when they're thinking about the services you provide. Let's talk a little bit about that, just uh, education in general and specifically that prevention and education program. Yes. Well, first of all, we've had a computer lab all these years, and we were really so blessed uh, when everything shut down that we had that operational computer lab so that um, the children were able to get their assignments and uh, staff were right there uh, with them, tutoring them, helping them, helping them on the computer, helping them with their actual assignments. Um, We had... uh, probably out of 16 or 17 children in the shelter at that time, uh, most of them were teenagers. Mm. And so, um, you know, they have to keep up with those assignments, and our staff were capable uh, in helping them do that. Um, and so that was that was huge. I mean, that's where our staff, they were really shining, and the kids were too. They were, they were great. And the, they enjoyed the whole process of um, – working um, not only on the computers but throughout the whole program whether it was reading or math or um, you know uh, we have a gymnasium lots of uh, sports activities and games that they well we just really kept them busy Mm-hmm. Lana Peacock, Executive Director of the East Texas Crisis Center, our guest this morning on In Focus. I'm John Sims. There are about uh, six or seven specific uh, we'll just go ahead and call them bullet points um, about uh, specific aspects of the program. Maybe if you could run through some of those briefly, I think it would shed a little bit more light on the things that you provide for these kids. Well, first of all, uh, like I said before, we have a real focus on math and reading, but we also have a lot of games and activities, and everything is educationally based. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, we, uh, on the emphasis on reading, we even uh, award uh, ribbons to the kids. Uh, for how many books they've read and uh, so they get the first place second place third place but we even give the ribbons out to moms if they're uh, uh, for reading to their toddlers and their infants um, so to just to really encourage that while they're with us that they learn how how powerful that is for their babies um, and writing skills are merged with uh, journaling and art activities um, we also have a focus on science. We have a one of our staff who's a real science guru, and mm. and he he does all kinds of experiments with the kids. And then he'll have the kids turn around and explain how how that experiment worked. And it's pretty amazing when a six year old can explain to you uh, how that science experiments worked. And and I think I should often sit in on those summer classes myself. Probably wouldn't hurt. I'd, you l- I'd learn a lot. <laughs> anyway, and uh, but we also have music appreciation um, during the summer. We do a lot of educational field trips, and um, all of our uh, physical activities. And we even do um, <laughs> Olympics sports olympics in our gymnasium so we make use of that facility in fact the whole children's program area was designed for us to be able to expand from going from a babysitting service into an educational 
program for the kids. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you've made quite a transition there. Uh, contact information for the East Texas Crisis Center. It's uh, phone number is 903-509-2526. Website etcc.org and go on there and you'll find what, probably whatever social media you need. Tyler office hours at the office at 2401 Huey Drive, Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5.30, and those all-important hotline numbers. Locally, it's 903-595-5591 or 1-800-333-0358. And don't forget, it's not just Smith County. You also serve Henderson, Van Zant, Wood, and Raines counties as well. Now we have the Delta variant to think about. The surge in cases, the questions about whether people should be vaccinated, local health authorities and uh, authorities on the national level continue their mantra, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, but we're still having a lot of issues. And you've taken several measures just this week to uh, make uh, maximize the likelihood that everybody's gonna stay well. First of all, face masks are back at the crisis center yes, now. Yes, yes, yes. And as people are coming in, when they're screened over the phone for the shelter, but when they actually come face-to-face, we're checking for temperature, we're we're requiring that they wear masks when they go out of their room into areas that that there's other people, and that they're, um, they're, they're also watching for they're staying apart from each other they're not you know getting up in each other's faces in all of our programs the social distancing is a must okay you also have done something with your furniture which i find really interesting you have easy to clean vinyl now that's something that uh, the average person probably wouldn't even think of as a means of uh, alleviating the problem tell us a little bit about that well first of all all of our furniture in our waiting rooms in a lot of our uh, areas, lounge areas for our shelter residents, uh, that furniture was destroyed during the great flood, yeah. <laughs> the ice storm flood. And um, so we just uh, began to uh, uh, search out that we wanted to replace all of our furniture that would be vinyl that could be easily cleaned. So in our waiting rooms, we can clean everything uh, throughout the day. We can keep the, the furniture cleaned. And also in our lounge areas down in the shelter room and our dining room's always been you know vinyl and tabletops that could be cleaned very well but there's those other areas we had some uh you know made those changes mm-hmm. and hand sanitizer anywhere and everywhere it's everywhere hand sanitizer stations and, and we've been stocking up on masks uh, started last summer and we had a lot of uh, of our state and federal agencies that provided extra funding in our budgets so that we could purchase uh clorox and the, the the wipes that you can sanitize everything with the gloves the masks so we're well stocked we're ready all righty and let's get into the uh, money part of it as we visit with lana peacock east texas crisis center this morning on in focus i'm john sims there's a donation button on your website people can easily donate money to the east texas crisis center and uh, under these auspices we usually talk about volunteers you're always looking for volunteers and i believe you said they can call your main number and get in yes. touch with good old volunteer yes. coordinator john sobel and Needless to say, there's going to be a vetting and screening process. You can't just take anybody and everybody because of the nature of the work you do, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Uh, 903-509-2526. And uh, if anything we're talking about this morning is of interest to you as a volunteer, I think you probably want to go ahead and make that call and see if you'd be a good fit for the crisis center. We have volunteer training is coming up this month. Uh, Okay. In fact, starting this week. Uh, So uh, anyone that's interested, we would love to hear from them. 
certainly. Uh, you're a big fundraiser every year. It's looked a little bit different since the pandemic hit. Uh, I, I don't know, did you just not have the, uh, did, were you able to work in the auto and cycle show in 2020? I don't even remember. Yes. And I mean, the very next week is when everything began to really hit. That's what I thought. Uh, across the country with COVID. Okay. But in March of 2021, you were able to do it at this year, but it looked a lot different. Yes. Uh, not only because of the situation at your mm -hmm. uh, longtime home, Harvey Convention Center, mm -hmm. but also because of COVID. But you were able to make it work. Tell us what happened in March of 2021. Well, of course, we, we just we had to cancel our uh, our indoor show that we always have at Harvey Convention Center uh, because we were still under the threat of COVID. And so, uh, but we also had our raffle car. We'd been selling raffle tickets uh, electronically. We'd really gone virtual with our sale of raffle tickets. So yeah. that helped. Um, but we, so we set up that we would have an, an outdoor um, uh, impromptu car show, just inviting different car people to bring their cars and set them up. But that day we had, uh, we had the raffle car there and we drew the winning ticket that day. And that was in March. And so we were able to continue that part of it. All of our sponsors that are annual sponsors of the Auto and Cycle Show, they stayed with us. They mm. sent their, their uh, donations in and uh, helped keep us strong. So we're, we've been very blessed with, um, with this event with the men and women that work on this event our car show i call them our car show guys even though there's a few there's a few women yeah. they get called guys too <laughs> but um it, uh, we've just been very blessed with that event so next year's event um in 22 is going to be an outdoor event because we don't have a an indoor uh, place to have it with Harvey Convention Center being closed. So uh -huh. it'll be an outdoor event at Greenacres Baptist Church in their parking lots. We're going to fill it up. All righty. So um, uh, it'll be at, uh, and the one this year was at Traditions Restaurant. Yes. So in that sense, the, the sense that it's an outdoor event, it'll be similar to March of 2021, but you're hoping to expand it and maybe yes. get it back to the size and scope that you had before? Correct. That's All right. exactly where the, the, the car show guys are going. <laughs> All righty. And because it's going to be an outdoor event, you don't want to have it in February, which I think was your traditional that's, month of the year. So this correct. will also be in March of 2022. Yes. Yes, it will. Do you have a date yet or do people just kind of need to make a pencil note or whatever on their March calendars? Um, or, I'm thinking it's, it's, it's on a Saturday. Yeah. And I'm thinking it might be the 19th. And All then the right. 26th is a is in a case of rain, we'd move it to the 26th. Okay, but don't worry about that. Yeah. Plenty of time to plan ahead for it. If you want to make a note on your phone yeah. or on your tablet or whatever that uh, we'll March have 2022, yes. and all, all, all the details will come out in plenty of time. On, on our website, yes, yeah, we'll have it on website. our website. Which, by the way, is etcc.org. Have I been remiss in giving out the contact information? Let's do that again. 903-509-2526, hotline 903-595-5591 or 1-800-333-0358. The uh, Tyler office hours on Huey Drive, 8.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. You can go on the website and learn all you need to know about the, your yes. outlying offices in other yes. counties as well. Got a few minutes left in the show, Lana, and I think it probably would behoove us to um, talk specifically to the people who may be going through a crisis right mm -hmm. now and may not know where to turn. As long as you've been in the neighborhood, people, not everyone knows about you. Uh, maybe some of the things that people need to be looking for in 
an abusive partner or an abusive mm -hmm. family member, uh, things like getting to the point where they're not quite themselves anymore. What are some of the warning signs that uh, might make people think it's time for them to give the crisis center a call? Well, I think usually it's not just warning signs when people call. It's, it's, it's things are beginning to escalate. Right. And, um, you know, especially if pe uh, for people that might be out of work and they're at home all the time now, um, and things really have escalated during this past year for a lot of people where they had to step out and reach out for help. But um, also, we don't only have services for women and children. We have services for people who have been the ones that have been violent in the relationship. Uh -huh. and, um, and anyone can access those services that needs them to help them understand their responsibility in uh, respecting the rights of others. Uh, and oftentimes what we see when um, men and women come into this program is that, first of all, they, they have never learned to really respect themselves, mm -hmm. much less the rights of others. So there's a real – it's a six-month program, and it, there's a real uh, powerful training for these people to learn how to empower themselves and, uh, and, and another thing is that it's very common is that uh, people who become abusive in their relationships rarely have a good support system. Uh -huh. They don't have that, the close friendships or relationships that they need to be able to blow off steam in more um, uh, positive ways. Mm -hmm. so, um, and we could go on all day it's a, about that. It's a great learning experience. And anyone who feels like that they lose control too often, there is a place for them to come. Very good. And we're just about ready to wrap up the show, but I want to remind you that, um, first of all, Lana, it's been great having you on the show this Thank morning you, as John. always. But if, if there's anything else you need to know, check that website out. Lots of information on there, etcc.org. Everything that you need to know about the Crisis Center and its services, you can basically get started on that website. Lana Peacock, East Texas Crisis Center, our guest this morning again. Lana, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, John. I appreciate it so much. Love, KTBB. Thank you. I'm John Sims. Thank you for joining us. See you again next week on In Focus. <laughs>